Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bible study today, Virginia style. We're going to fry this this turkey this morning right up for you right here. And we're going to enjoy ourselves a little bit on God's word and just walk along beside the Apostle Paul and see where he goes. That's all. Just you can open the book of Acts almost anywhere in the end of it and you'll find the Apostle Paul on some adventure walking down some strange road and looking around and doing things, doing miracles and spreading the word around as best he can. We start out this morning. I'm going to tell you a couple of things about Paul that you want to remember. It's hard to remember that he was not divine. I mean, <laughs> we, we, Team tend to think of these biblical characters in terms of divinity. You know, we put them right up there with Jesus and everything. Well, that's, that's, that's not the way you should do it. Or you should think about it because Paul was uh, just like John the Baptist. The Bible says there was a man. And that's important. There was a man. His name was John. Now I want to add to that. There was a man whose name was Paul. And this was a man. He's just like any other. He get, get mad, get angry, uh, do do things just just to be obstinate, and do things just to be wonderful. He was a man. So when we read these texts about him, and all think in those terms, as you're looking at a narrative of an apostolic adventures, but they were just men, men and women. But they were men. But they were human, fully human. No divinity about them. I mean, they're in the Bible, but just because you're in the Bible, that don't make you divine. I mean, Goliath, he, he, and then divine about him, or good to remember, except that he's in the Bible. And this, this, that don't make you holy. It's, but Paul is wonderful because of that. We get to see human potential at its fullest, see, which makes it, well, wonderful. Well, let me get started. Tell me, I got a, again today, chapter 21, around about verse 17. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to read uh, on through there four ways. So bear with me and listen to the word of God as we read on through the 22nd chapter. So we're going to read a little ways. <clears throat> when we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to visit James. And all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they praised God. Then they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands of believers there are among the Jews, and they are all zealous 
for the law. They've been told about you, that you teach all the Jews uh, living among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, and that you tell them not to circumcise their children or observe the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come, so do what we tell you. Now, we have four men who are under a vow. Join these men. Go through the rite of purification with them and pay for the shaving of their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself observe and guard the law. But as for the Gentiles who have become believers, we've sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what is strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took them in, and the next day, having purified himself, he entered the temple with them, making public the completion of the days of purification when the sacrifice would be made for each of them. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, who had seen him in the temple, stirred up the crowd. They seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. More than that, he's actually brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was aroused, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. While they were trying to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Immediately, he took soldiers. They saw and stopped the beating of Paul. Then the tribune came out and arrested him, ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing, some another, and as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. When Paul came to the steps, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Away with him! Just as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? The tribune replied, Do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 assassins into the wilderness. Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia a citizen of an important city. I beg you, let me speak to the people. When he had given him permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the people for silence. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense I will now make before you. 
When they heard him addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. Then he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia and brought up in this city at the feet of Gamalali, educated strictly according to our ancestry law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison. As the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them, I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus. And I went there in order to bind those who were there and to bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way and approaching Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me. I fell on the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? Then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I asked, What am I to do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up. Go to Damascus. There you will be told everything that's been assigned to you to do. Since I could not see, because of the brightness of the light, those who were with me took my hand, took my hand and led me to Damascus. A certain Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me and standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In this very hour, my sight came and I saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his own voice, for you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. After I had returned to Jerusalem, while I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, saw Jesus saying to me, Hurry! And get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And while the blood of your witness, Stephen, was shed, I myself was standing by, approving, keeping the coats of those who killed him. Then he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this point, they listened to him. But then they shouted, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And while they were shouting, throwing off their clothes, tossing dust in the air, the tribune directed that he was to be brought into the barracks and ordered to be examined by flogging. To find out the reason for this outcry against him, 
But when they tied him up, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who is uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? This man is a Roman citizen. Then the tribune came and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune said, Well, it cost me a large sum of money to get my citizenship. Paul said, I was born a citizen. Immediately, those who were about to examine him drew back from him. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Since he wanted to find out what Paul was being accused of by the Jews, the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and the entire council to meet. He brought Paul down and had him stand before them. And there ends the reading of my verses for this day. We come to the end of the 22nd chapter, and we would, you would begin reading in now the 23rd. I want to uh, tell you a couple of things about this, these verses. This is good drama. You, you can see I animated my reading. That's why it's okay. Sometimes people, you can animate a biblical reading. Think about it for a while, practice it a little bit, and with your hands and your face, you can animate the reading. It makes it a whole lot easier if you have a long reading. It tends to, uh, Make people a little bit more interested in what you'd like to do next. (laughs) Keeps their attention up a little bit rather than a dull discourse. So when you're teaching, you've got a long reading, animated a little bit from time to time, and it's it's good. I I wanted to say that uh, drama is, I said drama, drama is significant because the Romans built amphitheaters nearly everywhere they went. Every town had one constructed. If you go there to this day, you'll find them. And I'm talking about places that are like Pompeii. There's a great amphitheater there. There's, Ephesus had a huge one. Uh, Caesarea had a huge one, where we're going to talk about some. It's just all over the, the Middle East. is Place after place where drama was expressed. So you can pick that up in the cadence of this Acts. This is meant to be read in terms of the dramatic so that you can remember it, so that you can share it with others. You know, I can tell you almost every scene from the motion picture Gone with the Wind. I've looked at it so many times. But the drama is within that drama is the story. And within this drama is the story of the walk of and ministry of St. Paul. I'm going to tell you that. Uh, here's another thing. A good tool for Bible study is uh, on your computer, probably, an application called Google Earth. Google Earth. You can go anywhere in the world today with the Google Earth app. And uh, I did some flying around to look at this text. I went to Tarsus 
Now, Tarsus was a big city. I mean, nothing today it is. Back then, it was a big city. Tarsus was a large city. And it had, uh, uh, under uh, Roman influence at the time and Greek influence at the time. Today, it's Turkish. It's, it's under Arab control. But there is a museum of St. Paul in Tarsus. <laughs> I don't commend it because it's very, very small. I went there yesterday and looked around a little bit too. But with Google Earth, you can pick up from Tarsus and fly to Jerusalem, just like this. It goes right up in the air, like that. Brings you down, brings you down to about a thousand feet. Then with another click, you can go right down to street level and you can look all, you can go all over Jerusalem at street level, which is, this fascinates me to no end. So, as a tool for Bible study, you can not only now talk about these places, but you can actually go there virtually. So, we're doing everything else virtual today. We might as well fly around a little bit on Google Earth and get used to things, see some beautiful places, and, uh, and learn some things about these places. Well, now, another thing is that I want to share with you is a fellow named Josephus. Josephus, for those of you that are serious Bible study students, you'll know that Josephus is significant. He was a, he was a historian of his day. And you know that, uh, that in the passage there where the, uh, the, the uh, tribune says to them, uh, may I, uh, tribune, do you know Greek? It startles him that Paul knows Greek. And then he said, then you are not the Egyptian who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness. Catch that sentence? An odd thing to, to locate in the Bible. What does that mean? Well, to, to look at that, you have to go to a, a historian who was writing while living in that period of time. And Josephus clearly mentions this Egyptian and has a study on him there in the in, Antiquities of the Jews, it's called, is by historian Josephus. So Josephus parallels a lot of things in Acts and makes them clear that this book of Acts is serious business. It's not just uh, dawdling around. It is, in fact, true that stuff occurred. So Josephus will help you with that. If we look at the text uh, that, we, that we had it's, it's, uh, what we've got here is finality taking place. This is Paul's last trip to Jerusalem. This is the end of it for him. He, he comes from the Greek countries into the seaport of Caesarea, I mean Tyre, then Caesarea, then on up into Jerusalem, which is an uphill climb. And this is where he has his reception, which is you, we read, was not all that great. It was bad. It went to work on him. And uh, Paul is a Jew. You know, the New Testament wasn't written. He was working off an Old Testament uh, background. And he was in a world of, of great excitement over anything that would, uh, would uh, get away from what the Jewish law was or what the ceremony was. These people with shaved heads were people who had committed themselves to a prayer walking experience. Uh, he, they thought that this would help him. It didn't help him none. 
to do that, but they thought it might help him. He even uh, consented to that, and and uh, you 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 know in the text there where Paul goes with them, but it, that doesn't help him any. The moment he began to talk about circumcision and the Jewish law and how it had to be passed along wherever he went, uh, he, he created the condition in which the argument just just flowed. And uh, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know that uh, Hebrew people get excited. They get excited. I was at the Wailing Wall one, one late afternoon, and you would think that that was a place where there would be so, sobriety and solemn prayers and all. But no, there were young people there, and, and they were so excited about the Lord. They, they would join hands and to make these big uh, circle groups. You know how you used to play drop the handkerchief when we were kids? You know, you'd make a big circle of young people, and they would sing and dance and hold one another's hands and make those big circles go round and round and round. They get excited. And, and when you grow up, they do too. And when they get mad, they get excited. They throw rocks, dirt in the air, and, and all over religion. So the Romans had a hard time controlling these people. And in fact, they let them loose, do whatever they wanted to do, unless they did something out of, out of line. The, the business of the, the uh, Greek fella being in the temple was a capital offense. If you did that, you went in there, it was a capital offense. You would, you, you, you could get killed. Same thing's true today. You don't want to fool around the mosque there either too much. Cause that's a capital offense to, to Arab people. If you go wandering in there with your hands in your pockets, thinking like a tourist, you're liable to wind up in jail somewhere or another. Cause they take those religious shrines very, very seriously. And the Hebrews have all along. The, uh, his, in the little sermonette here, uh, or defense that he makes, he talks a lot about his background. He talks about a teacher named Gamalali, who is a Pharisee, a Pharisaic teacher of some renown. He will also appear in the Bible later, at another later place. He, he, he tries to explain his bias against the church to the Jews to make him more reasonable to them, but that doesn't work either. He tries everything he can think of. He tells them his conversion experience, and he saw a light near Damascus, uh, this blinding light uh, and all, and he, he he's taken to Damascus and taken to a a fellow named Ananias, a Christian, and heals him of his blindness. And uh, he, he tells that story to the crowd, but the crowd get all worked up and carried on. Now, Paul speaks of the high council. He will speak to them as the teaching goes on. I stopped just short of that because he has many occasions now on, from now on when Paul will be speaking to the to the uh, to, to the leaders of his day, his missionary journey, all his journeys one, two, and three have come to an end now, and he's in Jerusalem 
for the last time. He's made his report to the mother church and carried his offering. We don't know what his offering was, how much it was, but it was significant because that's the reason most scholars think Paul always liked to travel with a crowd. If you know he's got a bunch of men around him almost all the time on his last journey, particularly but all the way to Jerusalem because he's carrying money. He's carrying an offering and he's going to need help with it. So he, he arrives there and the, instead of being a, a blessing, the, the mother church to the mother church, even though he has an offering, an uproar occurs and the Roman authorities step in. Paul is handed over to the council, or you could call that the Sanhedrin and sent to, on to, back to Caesarea where he came from. And there, you will find if we study on, to put this in context, he will go before Felix the governor. Felix will imprison him for two years trying to get money out of him. See what I mean? He, he, he probably had heard that Paul had brought an offering. Maybe he had some resources, so he, he locked him up. And then later he appears before another uh, leader there named Festus and Herod Agrippa. And then because he's a Roman citizen and because he appeals to Caesar, he is sent on his way to Rome. And during the time that he is sent to Rome, he is uh, on a ship and goes through a shipwreck, which I hope I get that text because I like to do that drama thing. <laughs> so it, it, the text is designed to grip your interest, hold you tight all the way through to the end. And the closer you get to the end, the more and more and more it becomes more dramatic until you get to the end and you have this wonderful, beautiful conclusion of the book of Acts. So we're racing toward that. We're racing right along. Now, I'm going to quit because time for me to stop. But uh, I did mention to you two tools today that you might consider looking at sometime. Get, uh, get the Antiquities of the Jews by Josephus. Uh, and read and study that a little bit. That's a pretty high-powered piece of work. And you might want to fool around with Google Earth. You're used to using that app because when you see a place in the Bible, say, I wonder what that looks like now. I wonder what it looks like. You can go right down and look at it. So that's two tools I brought to you this morning. And finally, you can read the Bible with a sense of animation. And enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. I had a preacher, teacher in seminary, professor, said, said, uh, what you must do when you preach is enjoy yourself. Because if you don't enjoy yourself, people aren't going to enjoy you. And pretty soon, you're going to be there all by yourself. So, God bless you all. God bless you all. Have a great day. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful adventure of the Bible. What a joy it is to put our feet in the Mediterranean Sea. What a joy it is to smell the beautiful air. What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. Amen. Amen. Goodbye. Goodbye. Into the promised land, in boundless love and mercy, He gave His only Son.
who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy, so amazes me. Oh, God's mercy, so amazes me. To every generation, He gives the joy of His salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. As I watch the world around me, I can see. 